really need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. If we're going to have some real healing, we've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. Hi, good morning, everybody. This is uh, Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran, I've, uh, and with me in studio, the chair of the Erie County Legislature, April Baskin. Good morning. Good morning, Jay. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about here in the next hour. Of course, you're at the you're at the heart of uh, county government, so you uh, just take on all these issues. We we're talking a little <laughs> bit about uh, your multitasking on the way up here, as a matter of fact. Uh, what really prompted us initially here, though, was, of course, something that came out in the paper last week, at the end of last week, and a situation at the county legislature, uh, some harsh words exchanged between uh, you and uh, uh, legislator Chris Green. I'll let maybe you kind of set it up, because if you could for us, take us through what occurred there, obviously, um, there's a heated exchange about a, a resolution that was passed, and you, you felt that it was maybe disingenuous on the part of the Republican caucus. Um, yeah, the, uh, you know, we get very passionate about the issues that are important to us, especially those that really impact our constituency. Um, the previous week, uh, Legislator Green, my colleague in the legislature who um, represents mostly Clarence, uh, raised his hand um, at the end of our work session, which is where we come together to talk about the items that are going to be before us in the formal session to vote on. And um, he mentioned that there was an issue uh, that had been circulating the media about Clover Group and um, employees of that group um, having conversation um, using very disrespectful uh, racial language, um, referring to uh, using the word Canadians in exchange for um, black Americans. And, and that's what, they wouldn't build senior housing in, a, yeah. in an area that were, quote unquote, there were too many Canadians. Right, yeah, mm -hmm. it was uh, mostly around racial uh, discrimination with housing. And um, he said that he heard it and uh, that he was going to be introducing a resolution um, calling for the uh, gentleman who owns Clover Group. Michael who, Joseph, right? Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. who happens to also serve on some public boards um, in Erie County to step down. And, um, you know, we said, okay. Um, he put uh, forward the resolution. And um, it was my opinion. He also, you know, we had a side conversation about um, him feeling as though when he heard uh, the recording of the gentleman on the call, on the call speaking that it, it made his stomach turn. Mm. It was 
by far one of the most disgusting things that he had heard in life. You know, um, in that moment, I began to reflect about the mass shooting, and I don't recall um, that member of the body using that type of disgust when it came to the uh, 13 people who were injured and 10 who were violently murdered um, around the topic of racism a year ago. I found it interesting, but, you know, I moved forward. Um, his caucus introduced the resolution, and, you know, we noticed that that resolution was very much focused around uh, the owner of the uh, firm, Clover Firm, stepping down and did not mention 514, uh, did not denounce white supremacy. Um, It called for like a third party investigation to happen. Um, It just didn't really hit home to the root of the racial issues that we have had historically here in the city of Buffalo. It did not acknowledge the trauma of the violent racist attack that had happened very recent. We were just, I think, three days before the memorial of the mass shooting when this resolution was proposed. So the Democratic caucus rewrote it and spoke um, broadly about racism. And, you know, it was my opinion back then that his goal was to really target this specific gentleman because this gentleman had a history of giving money to Democrats. Not myself. I don't. I don't know the that, owner of okay. Clover Group. But um, thank you for that clarification. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, but that was. Uh, I believe that was the intention. The resolutions passed, and we move forward. Even though, in in my heart, I felt that that was kind of a political ploy and an exploitation of racism. Um, The following week, which was last week, where the Buffalo News recorded, a reporter came up to me and questioned me about the incident again. And and, in a light way, just, you know, blatantly asked me if I had taken out the owner of Clover Group's name to protect the Democrats who had um, had a history of receiving donations from that person. And that to me was extremely disrespectful to my integrity as someone who has championed uh, racial equity issues and has who has fought against racism in uh, my six-year tenure as an elected official in my whole life. And, um, you know, I, I could see the sponsors of the previous bill, the Chris Green, you know, kind of in the background looking on as this reporter questioned me. And um, wasn't my proudest moment, definitely, uh, got very passionate, lost my cool, as did he. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the Buffalo News reporter decided to record me, and um, and report on it. So um, that, that, so you concur with the with the, uh, the way it was laid out, like you said, though maybe left out a part uh, uh, from Mr. Green, who by the way did, we did extend an invitation to to come in and join us at some other uh, juncture in the future as well. Mm-hmm. But Len, you you brought up a, a couple of really interesting things there, though, about. What, how would you sum up then that Democrat-Republican divide, if you want to call it that, inside the legislature when it comes to racism and it comes to, like you said, you use the word uh, term white supremacy. Do you feel that is it, it's a shortcoming perhaps or it's something that's still a very political thing even here in Erie County after 514 that it's still, there's still a kind of these traditional lanes when it comes to how people talk about race and how these things are addressed? Uh, yeah, there are, um, unfortunately, a lot of, uh, there's a discomfort uh, in, in addressing racism. I have found that 
when we talk about racism from my lived experience as a person who has gone through it and who has family members and who represents a community who have historically for centuries fallen victim to it, um, there oftentimes my white counterparts get defensive and want to find ways to uh, relate to discrimination or relate to a struggle or like um, one thing is common if you talk about uh, racism in terms of through a lens of poverty, right, and economics. Um, I've, I've found that even in, in the past in the legislature, it's, it's common to hear a, a person who is not black say, well, I grew up poor too, you know. And so I think um, there is a discomfort with having, you know, an intellectual, honest conversations about the fact that uh, life and struggles uh, are they don't know a color. You know, everybody goes through things and everyone has hardships. But um, when you have hardship and you layer that with racial uh, oppression, uh, your hardship in your experience is different. And that's okay. It doesn't take away from um, someone who's not white's hardship, but it just is the fact that a black person's hardship or brown person's hardship is vastly different. So um, it's hard to have conversations in the past in the county legislature, it is true, I'll be honest and transparent, um, as it is across um, lots of different sectors in Erie County about discrimination, about um, the, the, the truth, about what the work that we need to do with uh, diversity and inclusion. I think post-George Floyd, a lot of, of uh, corporations and folks popped up with, like, their HR department suddenly had DEI. Right, right. that's like, true. That's the sexy thing to have now. Like, we have a DEI right. initiative here. And it's just like, but, but what, are we, what are we doing in terms of truly empowering people who don't always have a platform or who have historically been denied access um, to have it. We'll use an opportunity then here, if you don't mind, to have maybe that, a little bit of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, how about for your experience? Now, here you are. You are one of the most powerful political leaders in this area now as the chair of the Erie County Legislature, yet you've related it a little bit in your conversation just moments ago that you've encountered these types of racial issues throughout your life. Is that something that you still still experience? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I deal with racism. I deal with ageism. I deal with sexism the, the same way that all black women across uh, this country has to. Um and it's it's you you pick and you choose your battles. There is a time and a place and a way to address it. Um, and navigating that time and place is complex and often difficult for me to figure out. But um, I never let a, a teachable moment go by <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when I feel that someone is underestimating me or marginalizing me. And um, sometimes it, 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 in the past it has come out in the way that it came out last week in the legislature. Um, and, and, you know, which was just I was just fueled with passion about truth and, um, the, and racial exploitation for political gain. And on other times it's been very intimate, um, very thoughtful and very meaningful conversations that have produced change. 
So um, I'm grateful for my experience. I wouldn't ever want to live life in any other way other than a, being a black woman. Um, I think we're quite magical and we <laughs> we can do um, really, really wonderful things um, and have done wonderful things that have contributed to the progress of this country and our people. But yeah, the struggle is definitely, as they say, real. What do you want your white counterparts in the legislature, what, what do you want them to understand about race in Buffalo, in Erie County on a larger level, but I think Buffalo... You know, the city of Buffalo uh, is, uh, you know, we, we've talked about redlining. We've talked about the history of, of how the east side has become what it is today. What do you want your white counterparts to know? What should they understand? Um, I, I mean, that's, that's a very broad question. Certainly. And, you know, race, racial uh, conversations are very layered and nuanced. And I honestly, I don't really have that many interactions with my colleagues. Uh, I think the article last week did quote, it, the, the last quote of the article did mention that legislator Johnson, um, who is also um, a black American who serves in the legislature with me, it is just he and I, I think the closing comments said something like, we, we just don't talk about this at mm. the legislature. So um, talking about what I want people to understand is not really, that's, the, that verbiage is is difficult to okay. kind of uh, <laughs> summarize, but I will say that um, I am open to the thoughtful and deep conversations about race, so that we can lead Erie County um, as the legislative branch in an equitable way. So it is very very. Um, expected of a district legislator, which all 11 of us are, to show up to the legislature and advocate for our district as that is the district that, you know, those are the people, our constituents elected us to represent them and their needs and to bring home resources for them. Um, but when we understand the um, historic barriers that, like you talked about, redlining and um, some of the racial segregating of neighborhoods here in the city of Buffalo, how we break down poverty by race, um, unemployment by race, um, quality education by race across Erie County. I think one would find that there's a greater disparity with people of color. And if we could work together continue to work together to have honest conversations about race and how those in certain racial demographics have more need, um, then maybe we could find ways to govern the county in a way where we are pouring into the need of districts and um, not just looking for equality. So I, I'm open for those kind of questions. I know um, the Poland Cars Administration has been very thoughtful um, in recent years, especially post-COVID, about adding a racial equity lens to um, dispersing like federal funds for relief. And I appreciate that. And I just want to see more of that with my colleagues. And I would say that a lot of them probably would be willing. But like Legislator Johnson said, we just it, it's talking about it sometimes just makes people uncomfortable and we haven't really created a space for it. I remember in 2018, um, the racial equity roundtable training was offered to the county legislature um, as a workshop to take. Um, that's a um, workshop that's offered by the Community Foundation. Um, 
I unfortunately, at the time I was the majority leader, and I unfortunately, it was the day that my mom um, it had to go uh, undergo some uh, cancer treatments mm. at Roswell. So I, I couldn't participate, but I didn't want that to stop the opportunity. So they, they uh, still held the, the um, training, but not all of the legislators participated. So um, when we have opportunities, and a lot of the legislature members that are in the body right now aren't even the members that were in the legislature back in 2018. Right. So it is certainly no judgment on my current colleagues. But I'll just say that, you know, when we have opportunities that are and resources that are offered in the community to create a safe space for us to have uncomfortable conversations, I think we should because we would govern the county better and fairer if we did it equitably and not always equally. Then on a larger note, beyond Erie County society in general, you would favor, you think that's something that needs to be done elsewhere as well, not just in the county legislature. I think of that's course. a bit of a rhetorical question. <laughs> but in that regard, though, you do you see, do you feel that there is a, a movement toward that to a certain extent? Now, it was 2018, so that was before George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And here, of course, before 514. Mm-hmm. Is there any sense from you as you look out on the horizons of this uh, society that there might be moving toward that? Or is are we in the same place? Are we going maybe in some cases, maybe even going backwards? Yeah, it, it, that's not a, a wide stroke of a brush. And so you just have to look at the company that you're keeping and the environment that you are around and really assess our people intellectually mature enough and honest enough to go that deep because if we're not going to be then I'm not interested in entertaining it personally um so if if we're in a, in a space where there's a lot of talk about like all lives matter stuff or or I too grew up poor and and you know th- these are not people who are really ready to address the fact that life is different when you are black or brown American in this country. Um, And it's different when you're incarcerated and black or when you're poor and black than when it is when you are not. Um, And so, yes, we should have these types of trainings and conversations and start to move in that direction, but we'll only be successful if people are mature enough to be honest. I think a lot of my frustration that people saw last week was a reflection of uh, me feeling like the environment that I was in was like pretending to care about racism. You know, I was I was dealing with someone who came up to me and said, you know, this this recording of white males laughing about, um, you know, African-Americans and housing discrimination made my stomach turn. And it was the most racial thing that I had ever seen, race, uh, most racially disgusting thing that I had ever heard in my life. That's hard for me to believe. That's very hard for me uh, to believe. And so um, it's it's can I go into a space and be vulnerable about my lived experience as a black woman, a representative of a black community and go through a training with someone who's saying things like that is really hard. And it's not the best use of my time, honestly. You know, I've I've spent the last um, year working on the Level Up initiative, which the Buffalo Bills are going to be a partner with, and I'm super excited. And that is an uh, initiative that revitalizes how we do how we d- 
give social services support in Erie County and really look at um, black and brown business owners as um, social service cases where we can help give them wraparound services to help them build generational wealth. Um, as being a black business owner, small business owner is different than being a white small business owner. I'm not, you know, necessarily trying to take away any struggle that all business owners Correct. have. Right. But when you're black and a business owner, it's layered with different, it's a different experience, okay? And the resources available to you um, are just different. And that that that's the case. That's the truth. And so I would rather spend my time working on an initiative like that in county government that is going to transform the lives of black and brown residents who own businesses and are and help them build generational wealth. I would rather be that person who's focused on policy development and empowering black communities than in a room full of uh, people who refuse to even acknowledge the fact that there is a difference between being a black business owner and a white business owner. So, Understood. Uh, we're going to use that as a moment to take a break. And as a matter of fact, we wanted to talk about that community benefits agreement as well. A lot to talk about in this hour with April Baskin, the chair of the Erie County Legislature. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. Hi, it's Robin Young from NPR's Midday News Magazine here and now. We'll bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up, plus conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So please join us for NPR's Midday News Magazine, here and now. Listen to Here and Now, weekdays at 1 p.m. PBS Kids fun and educational content is available wherever you are in Western New York, whenever you want. Live stream the channel at wned.org slash pbskids. And while you're there, you can play games, watch videos from your favorite shows like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Molly of Denali, and Alma's Way. And you'll find resources for parents and teachers. Visit wned.org slash pbskids today. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And welcome back to Buffalo What's Next, the chair of the Erie County Legislature, April Baskin, with us this hour of uh, Buffalo What's Next. Uh, before we move on to the community benefits agreement, which I want to get to, but I, the one a question that was that popped up in my mind when we were getting this whole thing about the Clover Group and these recordings of, uh, of these conversations inside the group that, as we were talking about, how they were substituting the, the term Canadians, it appears, for for um for for black people mm -hmm. and that, you know the, these are developers and there's definitely i don't know if it's a widespread but there's an undercurrent for sure of thought about developers here in this area that they're they've got a lot of pull and that maybe they don't have the best interests and in hearts of everybody they're not approaching things in an equitable uh fashion do you do you feel that do you see that in any way um 
You know, being a representative in county government, development is not something that we we directly interact with, especially when it comes to the city. Um, so all city development and zoning and stuff, that's handled through the Common Council. I do serve as a um, member of the policy committee on the ECIDA, and that is the committee where projects who are seeking tax credits have to go through before it reaches the final board for a vote for approval. So I, I do engage with developers quite often on the policy committee at the ECIDA, and I'm always the person in the room asking questions about um, locale, about um, specific outreach with uh, how you're going to build your tenant uh, uh, platform if in, in, in an inclusionary way if it is uh, related to development focused on housing. Um, and I'm big proponent, um, people know, for minority uh, enterprises having work as contractors um, on development projects. And, you know, the ECIDA is going to soon, or they have recently announced in the paper, you know, a pilot initiative where there's going to be um, a, a, a pilot tax incentive for developers who utilize um, minority contractors more. And I'm very excited about that. Um, and then another thing that I've been working on through the Level Up initiative is really trying to identify black developers and what their gaps are in terms of getting the capital and the finances and the resources that they need to develop in marginalized and, and black neighborhoods. So again, it's like kind of like the last thing we spoke about. I try to be proactive and find ways as a local official to use my platform to fill the gap um, rather than spending a lot of time focused on the people who are just uh, pouring into the disparity. Okay. All yeah. right. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about them, the, the community benefits agreement in, attached to the stadium. Uh, this was uh, a hard fought, <laughs> <laughs> hard fought, wasn't it? Uh, for sure. Uh, you, nev you, know, ne you never uh, please everybody, but at the same time, uh, what, what part of it or what parts of it for you really the, the, the keys of, of moving this, this forward? Um, I think the, the transportation hub is a huge victory. Um, transportation is an issue for all communities across Erie County. That is just in public transportation, I, I should uh, say more specifically, is um, just a countywide barrier, and it's, it's complex. I've been in a lot of conversations in recent with the NFTA, who over the last year have rolled out a lot of great initiatives to try to make public transportation more accessible and affordable, free uh, for communities. And um, I'm, I'm proud of the work that they have done in moving um, the dial in, the, in a positive direction. But getting into the CBA that there's going to be a safe public transportation hub, which I think will change lives for people who want to have jobs at the stadium um, as well as the fans, you know, the fan experience and working with the NFTA to make sure that the transit from the uh, the core of at least the three cities in Erie County um, have the, the proper machinery and the and the proper buses and the route set up to be able to um, get to that transportation hub. So that was a big deal. So as we understand it now, I mean, still we got a ways to go before the stadium is real. Mm -hmm. But as we understand it now, do we have a, a concept of how approachable 
public transportation will be to the stadium because right now it's it's not great. Yeah, it's not it's not the best. Yeah. We're working on that, and I think getting that mandated transportation center and hub in the CBA or it, it, that's in the lease agreement, I should say, is is a huge victory. It's big because um, that gives us our focal point. That's where we start. We know things have to go to and from here. Um, and sometimes it's, I think it's hard to like imagine. I'm a visual person. I told you when we started, I, I went to performing arts. Yes, high school. you did. So yes. My, my staff always laughs at me because everything that I present is a big creative board of just images and, and sayings and graphics. And so sometimes people just need a visual roadmap. And I think that ain't that anchor of the transportation hub being identified as a mandate in the lease deal is definitely going to help build the roadmap of how all uh, uh, municipalities across the county can access the new stadium. So I'm very excited for that. Um, the 30% post-construction utilization of women and minority-owned right. businesses is that. very big because I think a lot of times when we talk about MWBEs, we focus on the mandated construction subcontractor uh, component that comes you know, out of the state with um, – Uh, 15A that really focuses on, you know, the inclusion of 30 percent of the revenue spent with public dollars on public works projects need to be with women and minority subcontractors. But what we have done in the CBA is we have taken that and we've pasted it to even after the stadium is up and done and completed retail services like landscaping, security, um, cleaning services, as well as concessions. 30% spent with Because there's a huge amount of that's a huge amount that's of a money. lot yeah that's a lot and the and the deal is for 30 years so that's a concrete um you know way to make sure that that stadium is servicing communities that are uh, and business owners that are sometimes left out of opportunity like minorities and women um, in a very intentional way so I'm super proud of that and then we have some things around workforce inclusion sports administration mentorship um, just just uh, making sure that the three million um, a year for over the course of 30 years which is how we get to our 100 million dollar investment from the Buffalo Bills, it gets spent on very, very specific uh, disparities in the community from mental health um, to food insecurity, um, you know, to affordable housing. So we did a I think we did an exceptional job. It was hard to get there. But in the end, we, we have a solid community benefits agreement and some other things that are outlined in the construction coordinating agreement and the lease deal that address a lot of issues that have plagued Erie County for far too long. Just wanted to jump back for a second to the the minority-owned businesses and their opportunities at the stadium and the stadium operations. Are you hearing from anybody already who are, who are thinking, hey, here's an opportunity? I mean, it's still a couple of years away before that stadium opens. Mm-hmm. These are going to be opportunities for me and my business. Mm-hmm. Are you hearing from anybody who's kind of focused on that yet, or is it still maybe a little too early in the game? Yeah, well, I mean, all of that goes through the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Um, and whoever, and, and now that they have announced that Legends will, you know, uh, do a lot of the stadium operations. Um, and you're but, going to be meeting with the Legends people later? Yes, yes. Uh, the Buffalo Bills have helped, had a very, very, a healthy relationship with my office and making sure that the level up program, which is the pipeline to prepare people who will likely not 
be ready to bid on opportunities to be a retailer or a concessionaire or provide services and supplies to the stadium. Get ready in this three-year window while we're building the stadium. So I have had um, an open door, you know, access to the Buffalo Bills and communicating on how, you know, we prepare marginalized communities um, so that they can bid and be successful bidders. You know, um, so but at the end of the day, the you know, the 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 decisions lie with the leaseholder, which is the bills and legends. And back to legends for a second. So like you did happen to drop that you're going to be talking to them later on. If you could take us inside the mind of the chairperson for the Erie County legislature, what questions might you have for them? What kind of uh, discussions might you you think that you're going to have with them? Well, I think it, from my experience in having, you know, like these introductory conversations with all of these folks, people in the private sector, uh, and lots of uh, intimate conversations with Tops Markets post the mass shooting, mm. um, Delaware North, um, Legends, the Bills, all, everybody is is very much invested in doing the right thing of opening up the floodgates to create opportunities for those who need it most and those who were uh who are of the population that was targeted in the mass shooting um what i like to do when i have my follow-up meetings is sit down and say okay so what is our action plan right it's good to say that we want to do the work but wanting to do something doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be realized with uh, uh, positive outcomes so uh, i have these continuous conversations um you know with turner and gilbane and and the bills and i'm very grateful that you know, these folks are continuing to have healthy dialogue with me. You know, a lot of people in the community said, you know, once you vote on that thing, it's done, it's over, and you lose all your power after you get your vote and you have no say. Well, you know, if you read the lease deal, that's not the truth. Um, but, right. you know, the, the county still does, is going to get to play a, you, a very have you integral... had to Have you had to advocate or have you advocated on behalf of... Uh... Like you said that. Yeah, I have, and it's been and it's been well received. That was the okay. point that I was I, trying okay. to make. Thank yeah, you. like no one is saying, you know, you know, thanks, thanks for the new stadium. Now we're going to go on our merry way and figure out and do what we want to do and hire who we want to hire. Gotcha. And I can understand a community that has historically been told opportunity is coming or this is going to be something that's transformational. There are still a lot of people that are a little um, disappointed in the location of the stadium right. or you still hear people say, oh, but the stadium is going to have a were, dome and, just, and all that. And the that bill, was all just to be, to clarify, the Bills were adamant they wanted to be back in Orchard Park. Yeah, that was the final decision. Okay. I will say that. All you know, right. I okay. wasn't a part of the conversations on location. That okay. wasn't the role of the legislature to play a role in the decision of the location. But that's where it ended up, you know, and I'm I'm a, I'm assuming that where it ended up is is where people wanted it. But I think the bigger point here is that even though there's been a lot of disappointment in with some Buffalo residents on the location, and even though um you know, in the past, we've had very large infrastructure and construction projects that haven't really realized opportunity in communities who need opportunities the most. I will say that my lived experience thus far is the people that we're working with now, from construction to design with populace to the Buffalo Bills to the state of New York to the county executive to my colleagues in the legislature, everyone is interested and at the table and, and having thoughtful dialogue about. In 
inclusive policies and inclusive processes to make sure that marginalized communities get, uh, you know, as many bites at the apple as they can so that they can have the success that they're, that is needed. That might be the most encouraging thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> it's, so thank true, you. it's true. <laughs> and I'm motivated and I'm on it. That's what I tell people. You know, let me tell you something. This is, I'll never get this opportunity again as an elected official or in my career. Like this, this is a one point now five or eight, $1.5 billion construction project. And it, the price is probably going to keep climbing. Yes. And, um, um, not on the county, not on the public dollars, <laughs> not on the taxpayers <laughs> for the bills. Spoken and, like, spoken like <laughs> I just wanted to clarify, <laughs> but you know, and but you know, so we have to do it right. That was what the minority leader, my colleague John Mills, said. You know, we only get one chance to do this. We have to do it right. And so I, I don't know if I'll ever again get an opportunity to fight for Black and Brown and marginalized communities to have a role in construction and retail and sales and services. And in the development of a piece of infrastructure that is going to leave a historic imprint on our region. So I am on it. I, I am on it. And I'm here to tell you that the people that are in the game and, 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 and that are in charge, they, they're not fighting back. They're not they're not saying no, April. You know, and I so I am encouraged and I encourage the community to be encouraged. And if I understand correctly, there's an oversight committee involved in this as well that will kind of monitor how all of this is progressing? Yes. So okay. there'll be an in, independent oversight committee. Um, that was a big victory to get because I think in the beginning of CBA negotiations, it was thought that because there is already a stadium corporation, uh, in a body independent of, of um, local government, that and we've uh, seen how some of those things can right, work out, you right? You know, and mm -hmm. I said, you know, we we really, when it comes to the CBA, we want people separate from ESD and people who aren't elected officials and who do not have the influence and power that we currently have. Those of us that are board members of the stadium corporation to have a seat at the decision making table. And so, very early on, we were able to negotiate that there would be an independent body of people made up the bills get appointees, the county get appointees, and the state get appointees from the community to work with the Buffalo Bills, um, oversee uh, the, the soliciting of needs in the community, hold public hearings about the $3 million that's going to be allocated every year, and then uh, give those requests over to the Buffalo Bills so that they can um, allocate the funding as needed annually. And I think that's that's a big win because it could just be the, the usual suspects making the decision about the community benefits um, funding, but it's not. It's it's going to be people that are elected from the public, and then those people are going to have to, you know, hold public hearings and have a very clear and transparent process. Um, the bills have agreed to allow for their philanthropic givings to be audited by this independent committee every wow. year. So that's powerful. They didn't have to do that, you know, as a private entity. So yeah, we it, it wasn't easy getting there and asking for that kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we uh, we'll take a take a break and come back with our, our final minutes here uh, with uh, April Baskin, the chair of the Erie County Legislature, with us for this entire hour of Buffalo. What's next? This is Buffalo. What's next on WBFO.
On Fresh Air, you'll hear from people who really make you think, like astrophysicist Brian Greene explaining the scientific theory that our universe is just one of many. And the image that I like to have in mind is, imagine that our universe is like one slice of bread in a much grander cosmic loaf, with the other slices of bread being other universes. No subject is too big for Fresh Air. Join us. Weeknights at 7 p.m. on WBFO. Do you get the top stories delivered to your inbox every weekday morning? If not, that's because you're not subscribed to the WBFO Daily Newsletter. Go to WBFO.org to sign up for the WBFO Daily and get the latest news just as you begin your day. I'm Ira Plato. On Science Friday, we wonder about the secrets of nature and meet the scientists finding the keys to the universe, like black hole maven Jan 11. I think it's really important as a scientist not to put a belief system first. The whole point is to explore the unknown. Come explore with us. It's all on Science Friday. Catch Science Friday, Fridays at 10 p.m. on WBFO. This is Buffalo What's Next where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And we're back with April Baskin, the chair of the Erie County Legislature. Interesting that you know we, we kind of prompted us to reach out to you as this situation with uh, uh, Legislator Green last week. Uh, but uh, you come in also a day after the county executive telling us that uh, he has been informed that asylum seekers will be coming mm-hmm. uh, to our area. Let's first just talk about how much you understand of what what might be coming to uh, Erie County at this stage of the game? So, Because it sounds like it's a very fluid situation. It is a fluid situation, and nothing has been formally uh, submitted to the legislature in terms of you know what, what we can expect formally or anything like that. Um, so ear to the ground, watching out. Um, I know that there are um, members of the um, – there's a member of the Minority Caucus that has put forth a, a resolution um, – uh, in opposition of what the county executive announced in um, in terms of, you know, a state of emergency. And, you know, really for a, a lot of people who are, are saying that we here in Erie County are not stable enough to, for um, asylum seekers, I, I will just say that I, I strongly disagree. Um, I, I think that for the sake of um, humanity and and for the sake of making sure that the county continues to thrive, we do need to uh, first, yeah, definitely get an action plan in place. But um, more specifically, you know, understand the facts. You know, it was just yesterday it was announced that our region's unemployment is at least a 33-year low. Right. And um, our workforce has 3,000 fewer workers than we did pre-COVID. So to me, you know, it really sounds like, you know, we need to continue to revitalize our neighborhoods and fill job vacancies. And we should be focused on how we can do this quickly and help individuals and families find sustainable housing and put them to work because we here in Erie County uh, need the workers. That work issue is going to be something that perhaps will be 
need to be handled uh, to a certain extent on the federal mm-hmm. level. But one thing I know that it's uh, of interest to you and uh, an issue that is emerging in a lot of these conversations we have here, housing, housing mm-hmm. opportunities here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a real crunch on already. Bringing more people in will only add to it. But you feel that there are still opportunities that 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 can be something that can be worked out. I I feel it is very difficult to have uh, human beings wandering the streets here and um, people just saying, not my problem. Right. I don't think that as someone that has an oversight position in government that that is responsible. So like I said um, about, you know, how I am still keeping my uh, – hand on the wheel with the stadium, even though the legislature's role in in terms of voting for the lease um, is completed, I would say that we need to do the same thing with asylum seekers. It is, we need to get get a game plan and figure out a safe way um, to house folks and to set them up with sustainability. And that that is what county does. The, the county government is the branch of government, the immediate boots on the ground branch of government, at least that deals with quality of life issues. The office of uh, the the health department, senior services, veteran services, and social services lies within our arms. And so, um, it, it it is it is extremely irresponsible to say too bad, not my problem. Good luck. I think that that's going to lead to issues that we. Uh, don't want to address um, more racial discrimination issues, more crime, and just a very overwhelmingly frustrated community um, influx with homely, uh, homelessness and, and, and just chaos. The responsible thing to do um, is to acknowledge that there are people in our community um, that are going to need help and we need to be responsible and get a, a game plan in place. Uh, does the, the federal government and the state have to play a role in that? Of course. But we do need to figure out what the system is going to be um, to get people housing and, most importantly, to work so yeah, that, they can provide. That game plan, like you said, ne- needs to be developed. And now uh, mm-hmm. time has become of the essence. Who should be at the table putting this game plan together? Good question, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> The county government provides quality of life services for folks. And so I, I, I would hope that, um, you know, this week we, we, we definitely in the legislature just begin to have the initial conversations about f- responsible oversight, fiscal oversight, and then work closely with the Poland Cars Administration, the Department of Social Services, Department of Health, um, and housing um, to figure out the best pathway to success for these individuals as they start to pour into our community. There are a, there is a group, I should say, of uh, local organizations that are involved mm-hmm. with helping refugees. Um, of course, Vive is the one that comes yes. out to mind, of course, yeah. in Jericho Road. Mm. Um, you would the think legislature that- was just able in our mid-year budget balancing to um, pour uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars into that agency. Um, and that was, you know, just right on the cusp and right before, you know, this migrant uh, as- asylum seekers uh, headline started. Right. So we have a history in the legislature of addressing. Um, so you think issues. these these organizations will be part of this? They should be. Okay. You know, I'm not the person who convenes the table. Gotcha. <laughs> I do believe the legislature will have a role. Um, 
because of our oversight position in the county. But I, I don't think you can really get anything successfully done in Erie County without involving the community and the people, especially the community of experts that do this work every single day. Um, that was how I got the Invest Well Erie proposal, which was the roadmap to getting to the CBA. Um, that came from intimate conversations with community groups who do this work every single day, that work every single day. And so I, I would say that that's the carbon copy pathway that we need to do everything in Erie County from addressing asylum seekers to uh, determining if a new jail will be built um, to determining, you know, how even after we get a new stadium, how it will have a positive impact um, f uh, on our community. Uh, back to the asylum seekers for just one more moment. This is a an issue that has, I mean, it's a it's a political hot button. I guess that's a, a way of saying it. Are you hopeful that this community will be able to incorporate and make this a, a, a good opportunity for everybody involved? Of course, of course, yes, I'm hopeful. I, I, clearly, from where we started in this interview, I've had my plate full last week with <laughs> yes, disingenuous, you know, acts of you know political grandstanding. So, you know, I'm 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 definitely not signing up to go down that path again. If I sense that that's what's going on, you know, I, I'll do what April Baskin always does, which is just turn my head towards doing the work. There's a lot of work ahead when it comes to the potential for a new Erie County Jail. Mm -hmm. um, you were at Meriwether Library, I think it was two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I was there. It was a it was a packed house, standing mm -hmm. room only inside the Eva Doyle Auditorium at uh, Meriwether Library, and it was a lively crowd for sure. And that's one way of describing it. I I did. We talked about it a little bit before we were on the air. He said, "Well, you you faced." more hostile crowds before, but you... <laughs> I've been in <laughs> situations <laughs> where it's a little bit more turned up than right. that, but that event was turned up. Right, so. <laughs> and, and to, to your credit, you were there, and Legislator uh, Johnson and, uh, and Legislator, Legislator Vinyl, Vinyl were yes. all there. Yes, we And were. Uh, at times, you know, you took a, a, a lot of heat for sure, mm -hmm. but there is no doubt that this idea of a, of a new jail has... it's a it, Talk about lighting a match inside the East Side community you know, there's no doubt about it. The initial thought is, we don't want this. We don't want this. At least that's what I was hearing. Well, that event was housed on the east side, but I didn't see that many people who live on the east side there. Okay. Yeah. So that's. I just want to draw All right, that I'll, point. I'll, I'll, of, I'll yeah, allow you to have that distinction. Just someone who knows the community. Understood. But I, yeah. I appreciate so that. So I don't. I don't want to. Definitely, we we shouldn't frame that like the east side doesn't okay. want a new jail. That's not a fair. Uh, assessment okay, at thank all. you um, but um, it there are definitely people who have worked years decades in uh, justice reform here in Buffalo and Erie County and they are experts in the space of um, going to Albany and and fighting for um, jail reforms and just humane treatment of um detainees that are housed in our local incarceration system and they were all there and they came from all over the city of Buffalo the people from all over the city of Buffalo make up those groups and um yeah the the 
I think the consensus of the room was, I think it was called the No New Jail Forum. <laughs> yes, so right, right, yes. I'm pretty sure that everybody <laughs> there was not in favor of the new jail. Um, that is only a reflection of, of that group which hosted that event, though. Um, and so there, there are... Um, some people in Erie County that are um, for a new jail for reasons of which I stated at the forum that I do understand. And that comes from me wearing my hat and looking through the lens of um, someone that just has fiscal oversight of the facilities here in Erie County. So, yeah, it was it was heated, but it was fruitful. And that is what the community should do. And people who are experts in the space of jail reform, they should. They should grab the mic. They should talk and they should be talking to their elected officials. I was way more informed after that event. And I was just as more informed when I allowed for the, that uh, forum to have a representative speak at the legislature, along with the county sheriff. I gave them, granted them both the floor a couple weeks ago to share their perspectives. And that resulted in the county legislature adjusting the proposed funding to move forward with um, a new jail and kind of pumping the brakes and saying, wait, we, we need to do some research here. And so um, I'm, I'm grateful to that group. They're doing what they should be doing, which is speaking up and speaking to elected officials. And one of the, the themes that I did hear is it's not so much just the building that is the concern. And I heard those concerns for sure. But the idea that, and I think Jerome Wright was the person mm -hmm. who said this, and mm -hmm. I'm quoting him from uh, Halt Solitary, uh, that you can have a new jail, but if you don't have a new attitude in the way it's operated, it's not going to make any difference. What are your thoughts about that? Correct. Um, Jerome is right to bring up the historic culture of our county jail system. Um, under the leadership of the previous sheriff, it is no secret that we did not have just, the I just, healthiest I, I should, You brought that up. Is it already better? The, what do you say? Uh, Sheriff Garcia compared to Sheriff Howard? There has been no formal assessment of the that, so I don't want to say okay. that the jails are better. But there's no I sense will, yet. I will say that there, um, that the the communication between the office of the sheriff in terms of implementing um, reformative programming is much healthier. My communication with the office of the sheriff is much healthier, and change is happening, and things are getting done. Um, in in terms of reform of our county jails under the leadership of Sheriff John Garcia, and 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 some of the, a lot of people have shifted positions, but some people are still working there that were there with Howard, like um, with, with uh, Sheriff Howard, like um, Chief Dina. He was formerly the jail superintendent, and now he is working like in the space of um, the um, recidivism. Okay. Yeah, and um, reducing recidivism. And even our relationship has grown, you know, light years. So um, now when people talk about change, they, they want a, a fair analysis of uh, deaths or decrease in people who are leaving the jail and coming back. And, and I'm not privy to any studies that have been done uh, that yet. And I, I encourage that to get done. That's something that we can definitely bring up to the correction specialist advisory board that advises the legislature. But just in terms of the culture of being able to have dialogue with the office of the sheriff, it has changed drastically for myself.
Well, that's two encouraging things you brought to me today. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, I guess uh, our final moments here uh, with you, uh, uh, April Baskin. Um, what is next on your horizon when it comes to the county government? What, where, I mean, I've, we've, we've tackled four pretty good topics here mm-hmm. and, and things, but what, what's, what's next for, for you? Where do you want the focus to be? I want to continue to address racism through the lens of economic development and empowering small business owners. So um, equity is always at the front of everything that I do from the uh, language access bill that has been proposed, the public art law that I have proposed, which is for all artists across Erie County to have more opportunities and to be treated as small business owners, um, to the Office of Health Equity local law that I championed, uh, to getting the CBA done and now working on the Level Up initiative. I want to continue identifying the struggles of small business owners and entrepreneurs and making sure that the county understands that in addition to addressing incarceration and probation and senior services. You've got a lot on your plate. Unfortunately, we are out of time. (laughs) This is WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOL and Oleon and WBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.